It's another episode of Movies You Should Love with Lauren and Scott. Hey everyone, welcome to another fantastic episode of the Movies You Should Love podcast. I am Lauren, and with me as always is... Scott! That's, yes. Of Lauren Scott fame. <laughs> Indeed. Um... So if you're new to the podcast, uh, we'd just like to let you know up front that what we do is we take apart movies, we we sit down and look at them, try to figure out what makes them tick, pick them apart, kind of critique them and analyze them. Not so much a review as it is more um, just kind of really getting into the head of what makes these movies work. Indeed. Um, and uh, as always, we'd like you to be involved with our discussions. So uh, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash movies you should. Uh, you can let us know what you're thinking on Twitter at movies you should or on our website, movies you should love.com. And if you're enjoying the, uh, the show, uh, please give us a good ranking on iTunes because uh, that helps everyone out, except maybe you, but it helps us out. It helps you yeah. out because it keeps us doing it uh, as we get more and more listeners. It keeps and it, us motivated. It, 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 it can help us grow the community of people talking. They're like, I, I'm really kind of happy that I'm seeing more people show up on Facebook and they're liking things and commenting on things. And I think the more we have doing that, the more fun everybody can have. Because Laura and I are going to have fun no matter what. But, you know, we're going to have more fun if you guys get involved. And I think if, they, if you guys can talk to other people who like these kind of same movies or dislike these same kind of movies, that that's fun. That's why we're doing this. I mean, exactly. Yeah. Well, well said, Scott. <laughs> um, anyhow, so today, I am eloquent when I want to be. I do words good. But, oh, I lost it. But what happens normally? <laughs> no. Um, so today, our movie that we're going to be talking about is number 34 on AFI's top 100 list, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, the classic <laughs> Disney cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, anyhow, but before we get to that, uh, Scott... I have not watched very many movies here recently at all. What have you been watching? Man, not a lot. <laughs> this is going to be a great podcast. What Thanks, have you guys. seen? <laughs> Nothing. What have you seen? Nothing. The end. Thanks oh, for joining. No. <laughs> we'll talk about movies. Um, no, uh, I know you've been busy working on uh, War in Heaven, War on War in Heaven, War on Earth. Yes. And I've been busy with. Um, a multitude of other things as well. I've been writing and we've had uh, family fun and we've had other things <laughs> that we won't get into today. <laughs> but we've had, no, but I've been busy is basically what I'm trying to get to. I have, there were, there are two movies uh, that I could talk about. One, I know Lauren is that one that you've also seen that yeah. we both really liked. Uh, but before we talk about that, I want to talk about the dark Knight returns part one and part two. This is a direct to DVD or direct to Blu-ray direct to iTunes uh, release of the adaptation of Frank Miller's classic, uh, The Dark Knight Returns. And the comic book, when that came out, was like this really big reinvention of Batman. At that time, he was still kind of um, a very gray and blue. I mean, he wasn't a happy. I mean, this was the 80s, and so this was like right before the Tim Burton film. Um, he wasn't as dark and gritty as he kind of is kind of known to be now. And in this. Um, in this book, basically, it's like 60 or 70 years in the future. Um, most of the superheroes have all retired. It's kind of like the beginning of The Incredibles, where all the heroes have kind of disbanded or gone. And then you have um, this old, craggy Batman basically come out of retirement because he can't stand what's happening to his city. And you kind of see what happens um, as he tries to make people fight for what's right. Um, and it, it's it, it's a classic. It reinvented the Batman character. Um the only thing, and honestly, it's a very good adaptation. These movies are really great if you like those comic books. The only, I, I had a couple small hang-ups. One is I don't like Frank Miller, and I know that's <laughs> <laughs> I know that's 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 sacrilege to a lot of comic fans. I know, and I re- I recognize completely what he's done for the comic book and for certain characters like Batman. But he does some things that drive me nuts. Specifically, I can't stand the way he writes Superman. He he clearly does not appreciate the character the same way that I do. And so the way he treats Batman and Superman's friendship, I think, is just wrong. I don't think he understands it. And so he puts them diametrically opposed when I don't... I think they complement each other a lot more than they actually don't. So I have that problem. But that doesn't come until part two. Um, his dialogue, they, they basically just took the script from the comic book and put it into the movie. And... That's kind of problematic because Frank Miller has a very interesting way of writing, and he kind of sometimes, since it's like the future, he kind of creates these words, these weird slang words, 
And in the comic book, you don't really notice it. But when you hear people say it, you're like, that's a really weird thing for somebody to say. Um, so some of the dialogue, I think, is a little weird. Um, the, the bigger problem I actually have with both of these, part one and part two, because the, the story is so big, apparently. They had to make two movies out of it. They couldn't adapt it into a single movie. Um, uh, I feel like it is undermined by the recent Christopher Nolan trilogy. And by watching, uh, because I feel like DC has been releasing these movies. They did a year one Batman. They also did, you know, and now doing the Dark Knight Returns. In watching those movies, you realize how much Christopher Nolan pulled from those books, um, because there are they are so similar, and there's there's definitely sequences and entire themes and story ideas that are directly pulled from this. And so, if this was released, if they'd waited five or ten years to release this, or if they'd released it five or ten years ago. I think I would have appreciated more, and I think it would have made a bigger impact. So now um, this kind of feels like a cash cash grab, a almost. little bit, a little bit. I mean, like while I understand, again, I understand the importance of the original piece and going, let's make a movie based on that. I kind of feel like they already did, mm-hmm. and so to see like this version, it's like, yeah, 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 no, no, I remember that. I saw the movie and I read the book, so <laughs> there's, there's that, um, which I think is a little unfortunate. But I mean, for again, for the fans, and honestly, this is really. This, these directed DVDs are really the ultimate fan service. It's really them just animating the books that the fans love. They're, I don't really think they're getting new fans with these movies. Um, part two is where the Joker comes back into the story. And that's where it got really unsettling. Lauren and I, we went and saw, you remember this, we went and saw The Dark Knight Rises, and we were kind of both uncomfortable in the movie theater um, because of recent um, shootings that had ta- the recent shootings that had taken place. Yeah, we, on have the, a, we have a podcast that talks we, about some of this. Yeah, we really got into it. Um, this movie, again, it, it comes at it comes at a time where we're still dealing with a lot of gun violence here in America, and we're trying to figure out how to what the resolution for some of this is. And there's a sequence in this movie where Batman chases the Joker into a carnival like a fairgrounds and the joker basically runs through the carnival with a handgun and just indiscriminately shoots people and they're dying on screen it's like this is a pg-13 movie this is you know so he and then he runs down the tunnel of love um in this place and he's just indiscriminately shooting people sometimes he'll kill the both cut the both people in the couple sometimes he just kills the guy and runs past him it's completely chaos and completely indiscriminate and it's really, really disturbing. And maybe, again, if this had come out at a different time, we could have just said, oh, the Joker's crazy. Good thing Batman's there. But in this story, in light of Sandy Hook, in light of Aurora, in, li- in light of everything that seems to still be going on, the shootings in L.A., um, when Batman shows up and beats the crap out of the Joker it doesn't feel right. It feels inappropriate. <laughs> and I know that we want, at that point, we want the, we want Batman to be there. And I know there could be this argument that that's why we need people like Batman to stop people like this. But it's like, in this movie, in this cartoon, the problem you've presented is far too real to be resolved by a guy in a cape and a cowl. Mm-hmm. It, it's weird. It, it was. It was really. I, I was not expecting it to be so unsettling to me because it is a cartoon. You know, it is a animated uh, movie, um, and maybe that speaks to the power of how they pulled this whole thing off. I mean, it's wonderfully cast. Uh, ben Linus from Lost plays the Joker, and it's he's he's perfect. He's really perfect as the Joker. Frank Weller, who played RoboCop, plays Batman. Um, one of the little one of the girls from Modern Family, the uh, quote unquote nerdy girl from Modern Family, <laughs> she plays the young Robin because in this uh, movie and book, Robin was a girl. They're all great. It's all really, really great. It's just you get to that sequence and it really is unnerving and unsettling. I kind of for me, it put a damper on the rest of the film where I kind of went, man, I don't know. It, it feels like at this time we need. A proposed resolution. We need. We, this is actually a real problem, and a guy throwing metal uh, boomerangs at people. I'm not sure is the solution, and I don't. So I don't know. To me, I almost felt like while it, while it stayed true to the source material, I wondered if there wasn't a better way to choreograph that whole sequence so it didn't. It wasn't so realistic. I don't know. 
maybe that's just me maybe i'm too sensitive to some of those things um overall it's really good and again and then it ends in a uh first it's it, it ends in the way I guess the story has to end, and it's it's a good ending. I just wish he didn't have to fight Superman for you know ten minutes on screen because I think it's kind of ridiculous. And even the way it's proposed, I, I've always I've always felt that sequence was overly ridiculous and dumb. <laughs> but that's just me. I've always I've always liked Superman more than Batman. Um, but anyway, I mean, if, if you, again, if you're a fan of Batman, if you're a fan of um, Really, if you're a fan of Batman, this is a this is something good that I would definitely recommend. Um, but I mean, if you're not a fan of Batman, if you've seen the Christopher Nolan movies, you get it. You know, you kind of get what he's about, and you kind of get how he figures out and solves problems. It's not necessarily something I would recommend everybody go see. It's it, it's it's fan service. It's made for you. If you haven't seen it and you're a fan, you should check it out because it is a good adaptation. It's just maybe not the most timely of adaptations. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, Lauren, you and I saw, not together, we saw it separately, uh, Sleepwalk With Me, Mike Birbiglia's, uh movie that he wrote and did he direct it? I think he directed it and stars in it. Yeah, and Ira Glass mm-hmm. was involved with it. I think he produced it. Mm-hmm. Um, Ira Glass being the uh, This American Life guy on NPR. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, man, I, yeah, this was, you know, it's been a few weeks and we've been meaning to talk about this on the yeah, podcast. It's, like, it's for, been, it's for been two or three episodes where we go, we didn't talk about sleepwalk with me. Yeah, um, man, I really like this movie. Um, <laughs> like, I, I to, to start with, I like Mike Mike, Berbig- bleh, Mike Berbiglia. That, that's the problem with his name, um, as he acknowledges. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I really like his comedy to begin with, and and I just I, I don't know. He's he's one of my more favorite comedians, no. and so I kind of had that that predisposition going into this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a you know, it, it's a really fascinating movie. It's kind of a look of the at the devolution, if you will, of a relationship. Kind of the yeah, it, it really is a movie about a breakup. Yeah, and it, it, you don't really realize it until the end, which is kind of perfect. Yeah, and like, so sorry to ruin that. Maybe. No <laughs> um, but it's it's done. In, yeah, it's done in such a way that it's kind of it's also a love story, and it's also an examination of like what is important in relationships and mm-hmm. that kind of thing and, and what really makes people tick. And the other thing I really like about it is it is a really solid look at the making of a career. Yes. Kind of like it's my problem with a lot of biopic kind of movies and with a lot of um success story kind of movies mm-hmm. is that there's always a gap. There's always kind of like you see them as a kid and they have talent. And, you know, <laughs> and kid is you know a range from like six years old or whatever for you know Mozart to to you know they're an eighteen year old person or whatever. you know this is like this movie starts with a guy who's early thirties still mm-hmm. trying to figure out his career. He kind of knows what he wants to do, but he's actually not really pursuing it necessarily yeah. and doesn't really have a plan on how to do it. And it's and it's the way it's a story that actually covers that gap. Which is the part from you got talent, kid, to the part where they have a full-blown career. Because in so many movies, you go kind of from, you know, here's this person with talent. Oh, look, they went into the recording studio and did their thing. And then they recorded suddenly, their number one single. <laughs> yeah, suddenly they did like two shows in Montana. And then suddenly now they're performing in L.A. and it's great. You know, yeah. like, like that's what you normally see in this kind of movie. Yeah. This movie is all about the hard work and what it takes to actually succeed at something. Yeah, because he wants to be a stand-up comedian. He kind of knows that. And so you see him getting these really awful, small stand-up comedy gigs. We're like, oh, hey, we can give you five minutes on this stage. Oh, and, and so he's driving three hours mm-hmm. out of his way to go to this to this event where he's going to do stand-up. And it's not a good gig. And he gets paid like $100. And he's so nervous, he throws up in front of it, you know, before it starts. And then it, it's not very good. Then he's done, and it's awful. And but it cost him like $150 in gas to get there. Yeah, so, it, so he's, he's, yeah. he's maybe breaking even. But yet there's this thing that he's like, yeah, that's what I want to do. And that's what it takes. It takes his 
perseverance of getting out there and just doing everything he can to get his name out there and get people to know him and yeah, slowly meeting people you know other comedians at gigs who help him a little bit or yeah who give him give, ideas yeah give him advice and go hey mm-hmm. you know and it's not until uh, a character played by Mark Marin says that right there what you said that's what your comedy should be mm-hmm. and that's when it really kind of clicks with him like who, what kind of comedian he can do what kind of material he should be writing um, what kind of writer he should be. And uh, that's when things really seem to start lining up. But as those things start lining up, um, his, his life, relationship yeah. kind of starts falling apart. And over the over another overarching and where the title comes from um, is he suffers from uh, like sleepwalking, yeah. <laughs> you know, like kind of not, not necessarily insomnia, um, but like he will wake up in weird places or he'll have a dream which will propel him yeah. into some really dangerous event it's, it's it's basically his body ends up acting out whatever is going on in his dream and so if yeah. he gets into a chase his body while he's still asleep will actually be like running down a hallway or something exactly and so at it's, first, it's actually really at first it's funny and then you realize how kind of dangerous it really is Yeah, when he winds up at the er it's like okay this is really really bad <laughs> um and what's fascinating is a lot of this actually is pulled from his own life is that it's well it might not be a strict autobiography um, it's probably the comedian's version of an autobiography where it's like, no, he this microbiglia has suffered some of this stuff. He has gone through these things. And so he's kind of telling the story of this of this breakup, which is the other fascinating thing is most movies are they end with the wedding or they end with, you know, finally, I never knew you loved me. I didn't either. We're kissing in the rain. End credits. <laughs> you know, this is really, it kind of ends with, you know, no, we should really go our separate ways. Yeah. It's, and that's okay. Yeah. It's, it's really a story about discovering what your life really is about versus yeah. just about making a relationship work. It's, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, to me, it was a very adult kind of movie in the, it, it, meaning that it was intended for adults who think and who have yes. ideas on this and have gone through this or, or, or are going, are, through, are this going through it. Yeah. Um, and and I so like it was very smartly um, realized. Like it was like it was very, very smartly ob- observed. Maybe I mm-hmm. should say where it's like, no, like, no, you, you, he gets it. You know, he, mm-hmm. you, you recognize those things and it's the same kind of thing. I think everybody in their own, in their own walks, everybody kind of has to do at some point and go, no, I need to leave this behind. This is holding me back. And it could be a habit. It could be a relationship. It could be any number of things. I need to leave this behind so that I can propel myself forward. I need I need to be doing this. This is what I'm meant yeah. to do. It's also really interesting. It's a movie where um, the main character tells you he's going to do things that are really jerky. <laughs> like he, he's a huge jerk to his girlfriend several times in this. Um and he does several things, and and it's set up that you could be really, really mad and frustrated at this character because he does some really um, <laughs> insensitive and and kind of mean things at times. Yeah. And at the same time, there's a level of like you totally understand why he's doing it. Yeah. And you can you can. Well, the thing is too, it's, it's also really funny. Like, the movie is actually funny. a really funny movie, and so there's times where like and. The whole thing, like he's kind of narrating the movie, like actually to camera. He'll be talking to the camera, and there's moments where he's like, "Okay, before this happens, I need you to remember you're on my side," and then he'll go be a complete jerk, and you're like, "Ooh, I don't know if I am anymore." Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things he does. I don't know if he does it in the movie, um, but I know he does it in his stand-up. He'll say something, and he'll be like, "I know, I'm in the future too." <laughs> it's like he he, and it's this reoccurring theme in a lot of his comedy. Like, yeah, I was really a jerk i didn't know that then i was just responding i know i'm here with you too i see it now with 2020 hindsight too yeah i think that's the thing is is he shows like it's obvious that whoever wrote this has learned from their mistakes and i think that's kind of the the end thing of it is is that because it's so self-referential and so Mm -hmm. obviously grounded in reality that you know that even though these things are happening and you may not agree with his choice at the time, you also know that he as a person today mm-hmm. has grown past that. Yeah. And I think that's a very strong element into this. this no, movie. It, you know, it, uh, yeah. 
I think it. I, I'd like to believe he's a better person now, having and, experienced that. And, and I think that. I think that's kind of the hope of this movie that it really is trying to give to everyone is that you know what you're going to grow into bigger and better things and better understanding of life and better careers and better relationships and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so even though you may do jerky things, even though bad stuff may happen. Even though it's going to be hard getting through all of this, there is still a growth process in here, and you know, look at where you can get long. It's okay to have regrets as long as you yeah. learn from them too. Yeah, you know. So, Sleepwalk with me. Um, it's when I watched it, it was on Netflix streaming. Me too. I assume it's still there. I have since gone out and bought the Blu-ray because I want to own it and I want to give Mike Birbiglia money. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would definitely go find it wherever you can. It's it's a, it's PG thirteen. There's barely anything in there that's really offensive or objectionable, and it's really really funny. Yeah, um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, um, which so brings yeah. us to the conclusion of everything we've been watching recently, uh, and to the uh, matter at hand. Indeed, um, which is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, the uh, number thirty four on AFI's top one hundred. Yes, nineteen thirty seven. It was released. Um, it was, at the time... Well, let's uh, just background on the movie here real quick. Yeah. Um, so 1937 rolls around. This is Walt Disney's uh, pet project that's been under development for a number of years. And he's been wanting to do this movie, he says, since 1917. Like, he, when he was little, or when he was younger, he went and he saw, like, a silent film version of this and was like, that would be great. And so for 20 years now, he's had this on the back of his mind of, like, Someday, I want to do a proper Snow White movie. But, you know, up to this point, what Disney has been able to do is, you know, short cartoons. Um, You know, at this point in time, you went and saw a movie, and you got a cartoon at the beginning, you got a newsreel, you got maybe a couple trailers for some other movies. Um, You know, so it was like a whole experience. You got... They didn't have TV at that point, so they were getting kind of their whole... There was something for the kids, there was something for, you know, the news of the day. It was it was kind of a whole experience that you, right. were, you were capturing in a moment there, or in, you know, in, in and a two-hour experience. That's where Disney came in, was there at the beginning. Right. And so, um, at this point, though, animation was limited to, like, little three- or five-minute kind of films. Nobody was really doing people were experimenting with it but they were experimenting in small sort of ways and disney came in and went well what if we did this for an hour and a half or however right. long snow white is i think it's like 80 70 something it's, it's, it's right at, it's right at an hour and a half i think yeah, yeah. 127 or something yeah um anyhow uh the uh and everybody said he was crazy to do this mm-hmm. um everybody referred to this movie as it was in production as disney's folly yeah um because it was costing, you know, his initial idea was, oh, it'll be $250,000, we'll make this thing. And it ended up costing like a million and a half dollars in 1930s money, which is a lot more... Which is ludicrous. Uh, yeah, which is, yeah. Um, and so people, I mean, from all across the industry were just, you know, other producers and actors, I mean, everyone just thought it was ridiculous uh, what mm-hmm. he was doing. And then in 1937, they released the movie, um... And it it was the first cell animated feature film ever to be released, and it was was it the um, first or was it just the first American? I think it was the very first cell animated feature. Okay, yeah. I, I get that confused with I think it was the third animated full length animated musical ever, but like but the America's first because maybe that, maybe full length is the wrong word, but it, like I think I was reading uh, last night that there were two other movies that predate this that were animated musicals. One was like, and one was literally just like the animated silhouettes to music. Um, and I think it was like a French film. Um, but anyway, yeah. uh, uh, this is, this is, uh, there were other animated animated being any number of animation covers. A lot of things. Cell yeah. animation is a very specific type of animation. That's true. Sorry. This, this is the very first cell animated. This is what we consider traditional you know, when we talk about an animated film, this is what we're talking about. Yeah. Other types of animation, you know, rotoscoping, all of that kind of thing, all had existed in various forms, but they were all, again, more experimental than this was. This is kind of intended as a commercial thing, and it's the very first of this type of animation to have a feature, mm-hmm. at least. Um, and it was a blockbuster. I mean, it was it was huge. huge. Yeah. You know, it premiered. Uh, the people in the audience were the same people who had been you know, calling Walt names for, you know, the years he had worked on this. Mm-hmm. And they gave him a standing ovation. 
Oh, it's, it's really fascinating to watch it because there's a lot of, like the camera work, especially at the beginning where it's kind of pushing through the forest and to the trees and then to the window. It really, I mean, he really embraced modern cinematography. Yeah. You know, it's like he told the story in the same way he would have told it if he was filming real people. Yeah. I mean, that's how he set up the frames and moved the camera through the, the story. Yeah. You know, it's, it's even something that, um, you know... It, he almost did more with his cinematography than you could with a real camera mm-hmm. at the time. And, you know, that was something that I think really, you know, stood out. I mean, it, it was very much an achievement, uh, you know, a technical achievement, if nothing mm-hmm. else. At the same time, it connected with people, I think, very emotionally, very, you know, the storytelling and everything in it. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a huge blockbuster. Um, it also was the first movie to ever release an actual soundtrack album, which, which is amazing and awesome because I mean that is such a big part of my my musical library is movie soundtracks. I love them and up to this point though people just didn't think it was a big deal. Like they just didn't collect them. They didn't release them. There wasn't a thing to do. Um and at that time Disney didn't have its own kind of record studio and so they kind of sold the rights to a different company. I forget who it was. Um but it took them years to reclaim those rights. Yeah, because, I don't think they actually have all of them back yet. Either. Okay, because yeah, yeah for, for a really long time they were able to buy different rights back so they could release uh, their future soundtracks or the old, uh, their older soundtracks on their own Disney label. Um, but Snow White remained on that one label for maybe possibly forever. I, I think. Um, yeah, I think it still is. That, and that's yeah. That's just, it's just fascinating to me because they released the soundtrack and it was bought up because all of a sudden people wanted to re-listen to Whistle While You Work or Hi Ho or Someday My Prince Will Come. Someday My Prince Will Come. Yeah. You know. You know. And and I mean these were huge hits of the day. I mean they mm-hmm. got covered by other artists and so mm-hmm. it, this was a movie that that. I mean, it won Academy Awards. They didn't have categories for it yet, so they had to give <laughs> Walt a special Academy Award just for kind of achievement. Um, and what oh, they great. ended up doing is they gave him a full-size Academy Award and seven little ones to represent <laughs> the dwarves. And, uh, you know, it's presented by Shirley Temple, and there's famous, you know, footage of that and stuff. But um, <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I mean, it, this, this, was, this was the movie... It's um, it's still today. If you adjust everything for uh, box office grosses and and inflation and all of that, um, it's still probably in like the top ten grossing yeah. American films of all time. When it came out, it was it made it was the number one movie of yeah. all time until the next until year. Gone, gone with the, the wind. wind came out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I want to say it made like something like seven million dollars or something yeah, like that in it was, its initial release. Yeah, which is again huge. And I mean in. There are movies that would love to get that today, and in 1937 dollars, that's a crazy box office. That's people going back mm-hmm. over and over mm-hmm. again. You know, it's yeah. It was it was an experience of the day. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it was 1937's Avatar. It was mm-hmm. it was Titanic of mm-hmm. the day. It that was what this movie was. Just to put it into context, there a little bit. And it's, it's really interesting because you know Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Oh, that's the other thing I read, which was interesting. Uh, Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit. I'm sorry, The Hobbit was published. The following year or two years later after this and up to that point the proper plural of dwarf was dwarfs mm-hmm. and so even in the title you'll see dwarfs tolkien changes that and makes it dwarves with a v and it's ever since then people have called you know dwarves and even now people will incorrectly refer to this movie as snow white and the seven dwarves but it's actually dwarfs <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just, just funny. yeah just a funny little thing but anyway the re- what i was going to actually say was that the original story comes from grim uh, the Grimm Brothers fairy tales, um, and uh, in that in that movie, or that movie, <laughs> in that book, uh, the dwarfs didn't have names; um, they were just like the dwarfs. And uh, Walt and his and I shouldn't say Walt, but Disney set out to name all of them because they were going to give them each characteristics and know to make it more entertaining and give them personalities. And I think they put together like a list of like a hundred names and they kind of voted on them or figured out which ones were which. And as they kind of started creating them, people started volunteering for different things. Like there was a comedian at that time who found out there was going to be a dwarf named Sneezy and he called up Walt and pitched him a joke and some ideas for the character of Sneezy and Walt was like, you got the job, you're going to be sneezy, and we're going to use some of these jokes in the movie. Um, yeah, in, within the studio, that was something they did, is they had um, Walt put a, like a $5 bounty on visual gags that they could yeah. do inside the movie. So anybody in the company, if they thought of a funny idea that got used in the movie, they got paid 5 bucks for one that. The, one of the Yeah, I read that, I was reading that too, and like 
one of them was like when they pop up over the beds and the other little noses go boom, 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 boom. That was one of the, the gags somebody got five bucks for. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was just, it's an interesting kind of uh, uh, production for mm-hmm. the film because it, it had never been done before. And so it was a learning process. It was very much a, um, you know, something completely different that, that Hollywood had not experienced. And, mm-hmm. and Walt was making this up as he went along, basically, you know, he, yeah. he, he had to figure out, you know, how people fit into the production cycle of an animated film. He had to invent and there, equipment and, and, you know, all and kinds there, of, things and there were that, problems with the movie that changed the course of the story. Mm-hmm. For example, they, they ended up having a hard time animating the prince. Um, and you'll notice like the prince, the queen, um, and Snow White all look very different than like really everybody else, and I think a lot of their um, their animation was kind of rotoscoped with additional mm-hmm. um, animation kind of being layered on top of them or being altered enough so that it's not true yeah, rotoscoping. Yeah, kind of kind of traced from it without really being yeah. right, right. Um, but they had such a hard time with the prince that he was supposed to have a much larger part of the story, but they ended up just kind of basically dropping his character, so he only appears at the beginning and the end of the movie. Um, and it's just, it's just fascinating because when they first kind of started this story, like they said, like there was a much more fantasy kind of a, a story. And then as they kind of started flushing it out, they started going, "Oh, these human characters kind of have to be in it." And then they are these human characters. Yeah, because because um, I, I think in the original writing of it, Walt really saw it as a comedy based on the dwarves, right? Dwarfs. I'm sorry, <laughs> and uh, and really kind of the rest of it was kind of incidental to that and and i think that kind of changed over the course of the writing of this movie you know? and you can you can kind of tell yeah. even now i mean i think the dwarfs really steal the show mm-hmm. and they are really the part i think most people really remember more than uh snow white i mean the queen and the, the old hag probably are pretty especially when she turns into and has the apple um but um it, it's really you know doc and grumpy and dopey and those are the really the kind of the characters that i i feel like have uh, persevered the longest throughout time more than the prince and the princess mm-hmm. and their story. Yeah. So uh, all of that to say, that, that there's a lot of stuff about the making of this movie. Mm-hmm. But what about the movie itself? Because I think that's a separate kind of question here. <laughs> it you is. Look at, yeah. You know, you can look at how well it did the box office yeah. and the awards and the you know all of this great stuff. Uh, what about the actual experience of watching the movie, though? I will definitely say it is short on story. <laughs> There's not a whole lot going on in this movie. Um, it begins with like narration. The camera pushes in onto this book, and it kind of gives you the background as to who Snow White is. And you discover, you know, it's it's the story that basically everybody really knows. It's, it's very simple. It's like you have the queen, and she wants to be the most beautiful um, woman in all the land. And she has this... Um, mirror who uh, it's not necessarily I guess it's a magic mirror but it it grants her access to this other dimension where there's she says slave in the mirror come forward and he, she pulls who knows who this guy is what life he has when the witch isn't calling him um, but uh, shows up and he says oh, nope you're still the fairest in the land but then one day and Lord you asked me the question what happened what changed I don't know but one day Snow White becomes the fairest in the land and that drives the queen into a rage. She hires someone to kill her. <laughs> she runs into the forest. She meets the dwarfs. She eats an apple. She dies. She comes back to life. They live happily ever after. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think that's... It is. It's a very simple story. And I think... We, we were talking about this a little bit um, before. You just said, like, three different things in there that I want to touch on all of them. I'm yeah, trying to figure out the best way. But, let's go back. Um, yeah. So, no, the, the, the just looking at the, uh, at the story of it... Yes. It's you're right. It's not much of a story, and I think I think that's part of what is both really interesting and kind of good about this movie, mm-hmm. and kind of its biggest flaw at the same time, mm-hmm. um, because we expect so much out of story today for our films. You know, we we have a very high level of storytelling today mm-hmm. in our watching vocabulary. You know, mm-hmm. we've we've been trained into it, and and that's a good thing. I mean, overall, that really is a good thing. Um, you know, I think like Quentin Tarantino at the Academy Awards here that we just had, mm-hmm. um, you know, very much nailed it when he said, you know, this was the year of the writer. And I think that's a really fantastic thing. We've had some g- greatly written original material this year. Yeah. Um, and this movie is not that. Um, it's it's a movie, we were talking about this, it's a, it's a movie much more about experience over story. It's, yeah. It's kind of almost a bunch of vignettes put together that connect with a light story mm-hmm. but really it's all about 
you know, visual gags and songs and little moments and kind of an overall emotion that it can evoke yeah. at times. Watch, yeah, when I was watching it, like, it really struck me that it was that uh, it's clear that the person who created Disney World and Disneyland was the person behind this movie because it, it's, he's really kind of inviting you in to experience like, and here's the Dwarf's Cottage. Look how quaint it is. Look at their music. Here's a song they're going to sing now. Here are the animals. Let's go on this little ride down on this boat now. It's like it's much more about you experiencing these little moments, these little vignettes, like you said, more than like this big sweeping story. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's very little story. That's honestly my biggest frustration and maybe that's what, what's at the problem at the core of all the Snow White adaptations is that um, there's nothing really to take from this like I don't mind a simple story when you look like Aesop's Fables or it's like the tortoise and the hare it's like it's a very simple story but at least I feel like there's something there's a moral behind it like don't be lazy don't take things for granted like to me there's there's nothing <laughs> there's really nothing behind this movie other than oh vanity <laughs> you know, I don't know. Maybe it's like it's it's really it's kind of it's kind of strange because it's you you can't really look up to Snow White as a character. I mean, I think she does good. I mean, she kind of shows up, and um, it's easy to paint her as like just this. Oh, she's this girl who's just waiting for her prince to arrive, and I mean, and really, that's all she does. Honestly, she's her first song is like one day my prince will come, and then at the end the prince comes and everything everybody lives happily ever after so i wish she could find happiness in herself then she didn't need the prince but at least she does go about and when she shows up to the dwarf's cottage she tries to improve it she tries to she looks at it and goes here's something i can do to make their life better yeah i do appreciate that so i do think there's she does yeah, we, behave in a good way i just wish there was kind of more of a moral to, well, that, that's a moral something we, or something to, something to go on yeah that's something we had kind of put in our notes here we have literally a line that says sexist with a question right with a question mark on it right because it is it really could be seen as kind of a very sexist mo- movie kind of like well someday her prince will come he does he saves her they ride <laughs> off into literally ride off into the sunset and he, he doesn't really do anything he just no. kisses her while she's yeah. asleep he just he just shows up and it <laughs> solves everything which is really kind of creepy in any other kind of context yeah. <laughs> but at the same time like her character is not a weak character in any no. like like she never really shows weakness she has she has some fear but she's rightfully fearful i would say like yeah. the woods are incredibly creepy well this uh, guy her stepmother the, is incredibly creepy there's a guy creepy. with a knife who's going to cut her heart out you yeah. know so she runs and which is yeah. you know it's like this is all very it makes sense it's yeah. just and like and, you know when she goes to the to the cabin um it isn't it isn't like the dwarves enslave her into it or anything. It's very much a, you know what? This is a thing that I can do. This is how I can contribute to the society right now. It's not so much a... You do kind of get the impression that, at least maybe this, is, this might be me reading into it, but I got the impression that she was going to live there for the rest of her life. Yeah, and so you she's know, like, so well, how do, I, how do I live here? I'm hiding out in the forest. This is a safe place. I'm, I'm not, good. Yeah, I'm not gonna what go can work, I do here? Yeah, I'm not going to go work in the diamond mines, but I can, I can cook and I can clean, and so then we can all live together in this community... Mm-hmm. And I'll be smurfette. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, so it's it's not something. It's not something where you can really just point and go like, "Oh, those sexist people!" <laughs> like it's uh, not that. It's not. It's just it doesn't have a lot of and of strength to it either, which I I think yeah. is partially indicative of the time that it was written. It's true. I think it's also this this lack of story that we're talking about, mm-hmm. and I think that really shows, um, you know, at least partially, these guys were still figuring out how to make an entire feature-length film. They're coming out of short films, and when you see it in these little vignettes, there's all these little funny moments, and you're kind of like, oh yeah, yeah. That, that right there is a great little short film. It is. And it's, then this one's a great little short exactly. film. Exactly. Like, the vignettes work. Like, when they do the, the washing their face song, mm-hmm. it's great. It's got some nice little gags in it with a fly and people washing their, and drying their hands. Mm-hmm. It's, like it, it's a t- 1930s three-minute cartoon, and it's great. Mm-hmm. You know, all those things. You know, uh, Doc always getting words wrong and them sneaking up on her. Great little sequence. You know, there's a lot of great sequences and scenes in this that don't necessarily add up to a complete whole <laughs> for me, at least. But um, yeah, no, yeah. I, it's def- um, it's definitely Disney get figuring out what they can do and pushing. I think, and in a lot of ways, really kind of pushing the the medium in a, a fun new way. Well, you know, that's the thing. It's it's a movie. Um, 
it's a movie that I think is a huge achievement. I mean, again, when you look at it in its time, I think it's a huge technical achievement. And I do think that the amount of emotion and gags and everything and, and just music and everything, I think it would have just been, you know, overwhelmingly amazing mm-hmm. to an audience at that point. You know, today we're so sophisticated, it doesn't quite have that. But at the same time, you can still see every reason why an audience would fall in love with this at that point. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, and, and you also said earlier, you said, you know, it's the Snow White story that everybody knows. Well, we know it now. Because of this. Because of this. This is, yeah. this is the movie that not only set up Snow White as just a cultural base level for every person probably well at least in america yeah. you know i don't know how far beyond the world but i know this movie spread internationally oh it very went international much. yeah it totally yeah. went international um, and it was translated mm-hmm. um weird side note it was adolf hitler's favorite movie you know it's yeah. like it was translated into german it was translated into all these different languages and it was the, the first disney movie to really kind of do that and now that's kind of what they always do when they release a movie yeah. down to like when pixar releases movies they will change jokes in the background to reflect something that makes more sense to the culture yeah. it's it's crazy and you know but every fairy tale that we have now every fairy tale mm-hmm. movie is somehow a reaction to this film absolutely uh, i mean wizard of oz which we talked about on our last podcast is a direct reaction to this film they went ahead and did it because they saw the success of this yeah i mean they also had issues in there but i mean this movie was really the thing where they finally went yes we can do this and it will be okay well what's amazing too is that you know disney starts this they do it here and then they continue to do it cinderella and all of them is the disney version becomes Mm -hmm. the fairy tale it's not the grim like who knows how it really happened who knows red riding hood or sleeping beauty who knows what the real story is we all know the disney version well i mean that's yeah, and you, and this movie you can look at, um, you know, contemporary movies. I mean, uh, Entangled mm-hmm. and uh, or Tangled. I'm sorry, not Entangled. Tangled and uh, Brave, well, Brave this last year. Yeah, um, you know, th- these are direct reactions to this movie. Yeah, you know, they have our modern take on feminism and things in them, mm-hmm. um, but they are not, and so they aren't this movie. But the only reason we have to tell those movies is in reaction to this one. Yeah. Um, and so it's, I mean, it's a movie you can't get away from as a hugely important, I mean, it changed the world of cinema. It introduced animation Absolutely. as a valid storytelling medium for feature length movies. Oh yeah. And, and it, and it allowed us to have fantasy movies. We, before this, we really didn't have successful fantasy movies. And then this is, the movie that that lets us have Lord of the Rings today, right? And, and we had Lord, and we had the Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings before we had the live action ones because you can animate, you can create seven dwarfs, and you can create all these animals doing all of these things. You, if you want Snow White, you know, doing that, you can do it, and it's totally believable because your suspension of disbelief is completely different for a cartoon than it is for a live action. And so, you know, fantasy is allowed to thrive and become a thing in animation. Yeah. Yeah, and as a side note, just, I mean, it was pushing technology at the time it came out. It continued uh, down down the road. This was the very first um, film that, you know, now now you're getting all these movies that are, like, digitally restored and scanned in right. 4K and all of that, and you're getting, like, these beautiful Blu-ray prints and stuff from them. Yeah. This was the first movie to ever have a 4K digital... Um, it, it was the first movie to be scanned entirely to digital files, mm-hmm. and they scanned it at 4K... Um, manipulated it, cleaned it up in 1993, 20 right. years ago. Yeah, before before this became the thing that everyone is doing. Mm-hmm. Once again, this came out of Disney's vault and mm-hmm. was restored and did technical things that no other movie had ever done. It's you know, it's it's a movie that keeps on having really interesting technical mm-hmm. um, modifications. And, right. and this might not, this might maybe less impressive, but even right now. Um, with all the new additions to Disneyland, we were just down there, like I was, I've mentioned before. Um, you know, they, they, they've, they've improved Fantasyland. They took out, you know, all this stuff. They're, they're building all these new things. Yet, the newest ride that they're working on right now is a, there's going to be a new ride that's like a minecart ride through the dwarf's uh, diamond mine, you know. And it's like, it just, it's so fascinating to me that something so old, you know, 1930s, almost 80 years old at this point, um, 
is still so b- beloved and is still something Disney is still going back to and going, look how great this is. Look how much fun this is. Because honestly, it is a lot of fun in those little sequences. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I think it's because we talked about this when you were talking about going to Disney a, a couple of podcasts ago. And, you know, characters like Mickey mm-hmm. are highly represented at Disney World, but don't have anything outside of that. Right. This is one of those things where, like, a very early character is both represented and has some of that continued embracing outside of it. Yeah. And um, I think that's very fascinating that Snow White is is one of those types of characters. You know, yeah. it's, I mean, the entire princess craze that we have today started yeah. here. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a very important film. It's even a good film. Yeah. Um, well, it's maybe, yeah. I mean, it sounds like we're kind of wrapping this thing up, which is fine by me. Um, cause yeah, to me, it, it's a, it's a good movie. It's got some great stuff in it and it's got, it has three or four of my favorite, uh, short films inside of it of all time. You know, it's got mm-hmm. some really great moments inside of it. Overall, it's not a movie that I really ever need to watch. It's one if someone said, I haven't seen that. I'm like, okay, well, let's watch it. I'd be fine with watching it again. Um, it's not my favorite, but it's a movie everybody has to see. I mean, if you haven't seen it, and or if you haven't seen it in five, ten years, you need to sit down and watch this again, because it is actually really, really impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that's the thing. It's not a movie you have to watch again right away kind <laughs> of thing. Right. But it's a movie that if you haven't seen it, you definitely should. It's, yeah. it's a good movie. Yeah. It's foundational to understanding yes. why movies are what they are today. Yeah. There is so much of the development of film, and this one does it in such a brilliant sort of way for its time. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, you go back to the fact that this is the first movie to have a soundtrack released and sell. I mean, now soundtracks are released before the movies are released. They'll be released mm-hmm. two or three weeks ahead of time if you want to start listening to the music ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um and now, like every single movie is released with tie-in merchandise and all of these things. And this I have is the movie to believe- that invented merchandising. Exactly. Like this is the, this is it comes from this where people went, oh, you can go see the movie and you can wear Dopey's hat and you can wear uh, Snow White's thing, her dress, her she doesn't have a crown in this, but whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you can have that. You can have a magic mirror. You can have you know. It's all tied into that, and it starts here, and here we are, eighty years later, and we're, and, now, and now it happens four or five times at least a year, where there's a big movie, and you can't get away from all of its characters being on your on your soda cans or their action figures or their and kids everywhere hollow- wearing the clothes, clothes. Yeah. yeah, all that stuff. It's yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, Snow White. Yes, definitely. I, definitely, I think I think it's a definite from both of us. Yeah. Not that we have a ranking system, but if we did, <laughs> the word would be definite. <laughs> I give it seven out of ten, definitely. <laughs> um, okay, so let's say that people are interested in this, yeah. Scott. What else could they watch to, as a companion piece, or if they like it, some you know things similar in vain? I- expand on the experience for people. Every other Disney movie ever made. <laughs> um, honestly, though, um, to me, it, this is this is a this is the the roots out of which all of the other Disney movies have grown. This They've come up out of this. Um, and so, I mean, to me, Kelly and I do it every once in a while. We'll go, time to watch the Disney movies, and we'll just, for two or three weeks, we'll just watch the Disney movies. And it's a lot of fun, you know, especially if you try to go in a somewhat chronological order to watch how they grow and how they change to adapt to the times. Um, I, but what I would really recommend is try to find some of those older ones that you haven't seen in a long time. Revisit Sleeping Beauty. I know like my my parents sometimes when uh, when I was younger they would always lament the current state of Disney movies. Oh, they're so dark. They're so evil. <laughs> you know, it's like Walt would never let their movies be that way. These movies are dark. Like I mean, Snow White Snow is... White, it's probably, in my mind, one of the absolute scariest of the Disney when, movies. When she goes down and casts that spell, it is terrifying. Like, and he he ma- did you notice that too? Like, he managed to figure out a way to like, make the camera spin around mm-hmm. her. It's really amazing, but scary. Mm-hmm. And in Sleeping Beauty, like the queen actually summons all the powers of hell. It's like there's a lot of dark, dark stuff in these early movies. Um, revisit that, and then look at Tangled, and tell me which one's the scarier, darker movie. Um, 
But uh, but no, seriously, go back and watch some of those older ones that you haven't seen in a while. Find some of those shorts if you've never seen the old. Um, yeah, that's what I was about to the, say. Yeah, the, the old symphony, uh, the, the silly symphonies, or I mean, the old Mickey Mouse, the old Donald Ducks. They're, they're always great to revisit. But if you find some of those ones that you haven't seen, because there's some there's some real gems in some of those older Disney movies. I would honestly, that's that's the direction I would say. Like, or or if not, you know, go watch Aladdin again, The Little Mermaid. They're all really great. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, Disney cartoons are the the way. Both prior to to this, go watch the shorts. Go watch you know those things that played in front of the movies. Yeah, um, I mean that's a that's a whole fun world in and of itself because it you is. have stuff that came up in the twenties, and then you have stuff going all the way through to like the sixties. And, what, yeah. and what's really cool is there's there's times in Disney's history where they have less money or they're spending less money on movies, mm-hmm. so animation gets recycled, and it's a lot of fun like, for the watchful eye. It's fun to see that because. For example, there's a couple sequences in this movie that may remind you of Robin Hood because they used a couple of the same reference points for Maid Marian from Snow White. Mm-hmm. Uh, likewise, you'll see some of the same things with Baloo and Clucky. Robin Hood used a lot of things from previous movies. Um, and it's, it's, it's neat to see that. And that's the kind of... yeah film nerd i am <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i mean there's this is i mean this is a whole world of stuff that you can get into i'm kind of a bit of a disney file so i yeah you know, and, all I, the, and also the, all the hidden mickeys they start yeah, here yeah so um no i mean highly recommended film um you know if you're looking for something outside of the disney world um wizard of oz came out uh you know what a year later two years later whatever yeah. it was um, and it's it's kind of in my mind the logical non Disney follow up to this. They, they they really seem like siblings. Yeah, um, and we just did a podcast about it. it. Was our last podcast that we did? So you know, go listen to that and figure out if that kind of fits maybe where you're headed. Other than that, it's it is the Disney cartoons is is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, just open that vault again and see what you find. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Snow White. Um, so what did, if you guys have thought? thoughts on the movie if you liked it or didn't like it or whatever um again you can let us know on twitter at movies you should on facebook facebook.com slash movies you should or on our website movies you should love.com yes yeah. absolutely and come back uh, next week we'll be discussing uh number 69 on afi's top 100 tootsie indeed yeah that's a that'll be an interesting one yeah scott you've never seen it before i've right? never seen i don't know how i've never seen it you know I've, I've seen the clips that you see those famous shots i know there's a couple of things i can pull out of my memory like oh yeah that's that movie never actually seen it yep well just as a as a teaser it's got dustin hoffman bill murray everyone's favorite i did not realize bill murray. see that's the thing like you told me that and i was like bill murray's in this yeah, yeah i thought so, i'd seen all his movies so uh anyhow we'll do that next time on our podcast until then uh, we'll see you later later i'm waving at them like they can see me <laughs> you've been listening to the movies you should love podcast join in the conversation at movies you should love.com 